Welcome to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. I am also the co-founder of Path 11 Productions. And aside from podcasting, we also make great films and documentaries, which can be found at path11productions.com. We have a special promo code just for our podcast listeners. The promo code is PATH11PODCAST, and if you go to our website, PATH11PRODUCTIONS.COM, and visit our shop page, put that promo code in, and you will receive 50% off of our Evolution DVD, which is the third film in our PATH Trilogy series. If you would like to become a sponsor of the PATH11 Podcast, please email me at info at PATH11PRODUCTIONS.COM. And now for this week's show. So today I'm joined with Melanie Klein. She is a writer, speaker, and professor of sociology and women's studies at Santa Monica College. She is a contributing author in 21st Century Yoga, Culture, Politics, and Practice, and is featured in Conversations with Modern Yogis. She is the co-editor of Yoga and Body Image, 25 Personal Stories About Beauty, Bravery, and Loving Your Body, and co-founder of the Yoga and Body Image Coalition. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you for having me. Hello. Hi, very nice to meet you here. And um, you also have a recent book that you just put out, and it is called Yoga Rising. And it's a collection of 30 different empowering stories from yoga renegades for everybody. So we'll also talk about that as well. Um, Yeah, so I'd like to kind of know a little bit more about your background and what got you into yoga and um, writing about it and um, you teach about it as well and uh, would like to know how it all began. Absolutely. So I stumbled in my first uh, women's studies class many, 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 many years ago and found it to be one of the most exhilarating, informative, insightful, and life-changing experiences in the sense that things that I had experienced as a girl, as a woman, um, now had an explanation. I began to understand that the things that I had felt personally, things that I had experienced in my life were not somehow a reflection of my own inadequacy or a reflection of my own inability to personally severe or anything else that as a woman living in a patriarchal system, that there are, were certain challenges that were unique simply because I was a woman and that there were other girls and women who had very similar experiences. And so to me, that was incredibly exciting because, um, a lot of the personal shame, uh, guilt and blame that I had carried up until that moment had really, uh, evaporated almost instantaneously when I understood that this was a systematic experience. And so, um, I was really compelled to learn more and more and more. And with each day, that passed, I felt myself um, growing uh, more empowered and I felt uh, more capable. I felt uh, definitely an increase in my own sense of self-worth. And I also felt incredibly activated to do work in the world, um, you know, that shared this information with other girls and women and to do work in the world that really created change for girls and women. 
So that was very much an intellectual understanding of it. And then a couple of years later, which was in 1996, I went to my first yoga class and that is where the embodied uh, aspect came in, meaning that all the things that I had learned and discovered through feminist theory and sociology um, made sense on in, in an embodied way. And now I had a sacred safe space in which to practice really sort of developing a new relationship with self and a new way to move in the world. So that was really the starting point for me. And, and, you know, you shared a little bit of your personal story too. Do you, did you also struggle a lot with body image just growing up as being a woman and in our culture? And, you know, did you face many challenges with actually loving your body and loving yourself? Oh God, yes. <laughs> That's exactly why I write so much about it because I found that when I was able to sort of address that piece, that that became one of the um, primary uh, components and creating an overall, um, you know, arching sense of wholeness and you know worth. And so for me, I recognized as I went through that this was not unique to me. That so many girls and women struggle with this sense of self-acceptance. That they struggle with the way that they relate to their own bodies and the way they feel in their bodies. And I recognize that if that is something that we are so um, concerned with, that it leaves very little time, money, and energy for cultivating other skills, talents, or abilities, that it's very difficult to create social change if we are really consumed with the size and shape of our thighs or our breasts or consumed with our cellulite that I found that it was uh, a, a way to keep women and girls small, to keep our voices um, quiet and to keep us from truly activating um, ourselves in such a way that we are going to move in the world as an agent of change. So I felt that while there are many ways to approach this, that certainly coming to peace with ourselves is, I feel, a foundational piece for many girls and women to then grow into their complete selves and move into the world in that particular way. My next question would be, uh, what do you feel is the most impactful thing that is really sending strong messages to women about their bodies and not in a very positive way? So one of the biggest ways, I, I think one of the biggest sort of, um, you know, body image smashers, if you will, is really the advertising industry. Um, of course, there's also the fashion industry and media in general, but certainly, um, you know, advertising, since we are just literally saturated with it wherever we go, is one of the largest components of that. And then, of course, just media in general, that happens to be one of the areas that I really spend a lot of time uh, working with, which is media literacy education and working to not only challenge uh, the images that we're constantly uh, surrounded by, but also to change the images that we actually see, um, to advocate for greater diversity, inclusivity, and equity in those representations. Because the bottom line is we really only see um, a very small percentage of all of the body types and, and races and levels of ability represented. And, you know, it's a cumulative process of absorbing those messages and images that over time, you know, even as a small child, you begin to see certain bodies as better bodies, as more worthy bodies, as, quote, what is considered to be normal, worthy of love, worthy of respect. And so... 
I really feel that there's no way around the issue of a poor body image without having a conversation about uh, the media environment we live in. I mean, you can walk down the street at any given time and people are constantly on their devices. There is almost no time at all in the day where people are not taking in very carefully crafted uh, messages and images that have very narrow themes and representations that we are exposed to over and over and over and over and over again. So I feel that that's really the largest culprit in our culture today. Yes, I would agree with you. And one of the things that I did was, and this is going to tie back a little bit into yoga, I went on to Google and I would encourage our listeners to do this so you could see what exactly I'm looking at. And I put into the search engine yoga magazine <laughs> and I click on it. I click on images. And what do you think is, is sat, what it is saturated with is skinny white women in beautiful poses and you barely see anybody with a body of maybe a size 12 to 16. There's no diversity in ethnicity. Um, in probably about 100 that I'm looking at, you see one with Keith, Keith Mitchell. For those of you who don't know who Keith Mitchell is, mm -hmm. he's in the yoga community. He's an African-American male. Um, and there's another woman uh, that is also African-American in all of these hundreds that I'm looking at and the type for her, or I'm sorry, the, the main page talks about, um, yoga for all body types. And if you were to look at her, she looks perfectly fit, but larger than what some of the other yoga, um, models look like. And anyone that is featured, on some of these yoga magazines, it is kind of pointed out that it's for all body types as opposed to how about a 14 size 14 woman, 16 woman on the cover. But do we always have to emphasize and mention that, oh, this is for all body types? Because I feel like it kind of takes away a little bit to say, well, you know, it's kind of making that a little bit, I don't want to say a stigma, but it's like, oh, see, this isn't the normal yoga body even though they're trying to say yoga for all body types. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yes, I do, because I've been at the forefront of that change the entire time, and that is their attempt to respond to the work that the Yoga and Body Image Coalition and many of our allies have been doing now for the last five years. Um, I went to <clears throat> the Yoga Journal Conference in 2014, uh, where I was asked to be on the panel for the practice of leadership that Off the Mat was putting on, they had told Yoga Journal and Lululemon that if we are going to do any kind of work together, because they were very keen to have Sean Korn, you know, be part of the magazine, we need to address a variety of issues. And so they did a series where we talked, uh, they talked about, you know, consumerism in yoga, a whole series on contemporary body image politics, which was what I was on and another one on race. And it was at that conference where I have to tell you, I, it's not just the images on the magazines, but because of the images on the magazines and in the magazines, the people who went there also really reflected that. And, and I felt very uncomfortable, to be honest, even being at the conference uh, in so many ways. And after I was having a conversation, I, you know, I really got the idea of we need to be the media ourselves. If they're not going to take the lead and make changes, we're going to make changes. And that is where the hashtag what a yogi looks like campaign was born. And um, I that 
that fall, we did a huge photo shoot of a bunch of yogis wearing their, this is what a yogi looks like t-shirt that I had designed. Um, we created a huge feature for Mantra magazine, a little bit interesting enough, was featured in Yoga Journal. It was featured at Yoga International. And this really created a huge movement where in the last four years, uh, we've really aimed to diversify what's coming through the social media feed. We have really sought to diversify the content and the image used by magazines and we have created our own images and stories, featured teachers. And the whole intention was to challenge the limited notion of the yoga body, to challenge the idea of what a yogi looks like, and also to challenge the idea of what a yoga practice looks like. That it's not just, you know, hyper flexible white women who are very young and able-bodied on beaches in bikinis, which <laughs> I always like to say, I don't actually have a problem with those women at all. People seem to think that, you know, somehow I'm against them. I'm not. Some of those images are really beautiful to look at. I, you know, I think it's great. I know when I was young and, um, you know, I, I felt a certain way in my body, it was exciting for me to perform and to move and to share that. But the problem is that's all we see. For me, it's not about saying that these women should not be seen. These photographs should not be taken. I, I, that's not my stance. What I'm saying is this should not be the only people that we see. These should not be the only images that come through. This should not be the only type of magazine cover that we have. And so that has really been my mission and my work. And so when you say, in many ways, you know, we still see the same covers and the same um, images inside, but now there's the tag, you know, that, oh, hey, by the way, even though this is what we're showing you, guess what? Yoga is for all bodies is honestly their very half-hearted, incomplete attempt to take the arguments and points that we have all been making in the grassroots and incorporate it into their content. And you know, I, I recognize that it is an attempt, but it's very, very incomplete. And it is certainly by no means um, the answer uh, to or what we're looking for. I pitched many years ago, I pitched a yoga journal actually having a cover that was kind of like a Vanity Fair-esque type cover where you would feature, let's say, six different people and it would be a pullout cover where you see all the representations uh, that we have, you know, in the human experience from, you know, featuring someone with a physical disability to someone in a larger body, people of color, trans people, men and women, you know. And um, so two times they, they turned that down. And ironically enough, uh, Runner's Magazine in that time period has featured two um, larger bodied women on the cover. And I always found that so ironic because to be quite honest, Runner's Magazine would be the last magazine I would expect to feature a larger bodied woman. I would have expected that the uh, yoga industry would have been the first in that. And um, it's been very revealing and telling about the kind of resistance that there's actually been, as well as really the stark hand that corporate control has in terms of dictating what yoga is. The people who run that magazine don't have a yoga practice. They are not actually yogis. So the reflection of yoga and yoga practitioners is something that is very incomplete and inaccurate. Yeah. And, you know, not only, you know, I know we're talking a lot about women too, but I mean, how about men? 
I mean, if you, you type in yoga magazine and there's no men on the cover except for Keith, Keith Mitchell. So like even yoga for mm-hmm. men as well, it's just so heavily marketed towards, towards women. And I believe I had a conversation with another person at a time and I don't know the full history of yoga, you know, still learn it here and there through others, but wasn't it primarily men? that we're practicing it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that was actually what I was going to bring up given the really patriarchal um, male centered lineage of teachers. And even the fact that I will be honest, when I started practicing in the late nineties and I live in sort of the yoga Mecca in the United States, I live in Santa Monica, California, um, where a lot of the big name teachers originated from anyone from, you know, Shiva Ray to Brian Kess, Saul David Ray, Sean Korn. I mean, really we've been very fortunate to have all of these incredible teachers, most of the teachers, um, during that time and in that scene were men. But the reason that we see most of the representations, uh, as women, because we have, you know, a larger, um, you know, social context of objectifying and sexualizing women as a way to sell magazines and to sell products. And the yoga industry has done the same thing that, you know, people are more likely to respond to a scantily clad and conventionally attractive woman than they are a male yoga teacher on the cover of a magazine. We, there's very rare instances in which a man is on the cover of a magazine. And so I have been, you know, very, very adamant about making sure that in these representations of quote, what a yogi looks like, that this includes men. And I have also, um, we launched last year, we did a partnership with Gaim where we did a men in yoga interview series as a way to highlight the men in yoga who normally don't get seen and to share the images of male yoga practitioners. Similarly, we did a, you know, uh, curvy yoga series, interview series with Gaim and launching very soon we're doing a queer yogi series. So again, for me, it's really what I'm driven to do is to diversify the content, do a lot of work with Yoga International in addition to Gaim in really highlighting the teachers, the stories, the experiences, and the actual representations of the full range of yoga practitioners who do practice in the hopes that more people who don't practice will feel invited and comfortable to come to the practice if they see themselves represented. Yeah. And, you know, I can only speak for the community that I live in, which is primarily Caucasian. We don't have a lot of diversity here. And uh, I've traveled to a couple of the different yoga studios and primarily the students are um, females. However, what I've noticed where I have been able to see males practicing yoga tend to be more in the hot yoga studios. And again, I don't know if there's any psychology, you know, to this of it being marketed where hot yoga is more of an exercise or we're going to sweat it out. And that's more manly in a sense. And then there's another yoga studio that is actually led and owned by a male. And whenever I go to that yoga studio, many more men are practicing there, but it's also, you know, it's owned by a male. So he has already set the presidents to say, Hey, men do yoga here. Um, you know, my, my town is, is, I would say pretty sheltered with diversity when it comes to diversity of things. So, um, you know, we don't have an opportunity here to, to see all the different types of yoga bodies, but I find in this community, even for myself, that it could be a little intimidating. It's like you go to these yoga studios and sometimes it's more about how fancy people are looking, what they're dressed in, their yoga pants and what their shirts say. And I'm like, what are we really here for sometimes, you know? 
Yes. And, and, and I mean, one thing that you hit on, and there's a few things I want to uh, respond to, but the first thing is that when we have a diversity of owners, visible yoga teachers, when we have a diversity of representation, when we have a diversity of individuals who are the heads of the corporations that produce these images and messages, right? And we have more diversity behind the lens as well as in front of the lens. Well, then we're going to be bringing more people into the practice that we start to really share that. And the bottom line is that if we look at those who are sitting at the table uh, and making the decisions about how things are run and how things look, they all look the same. And that is what we end up <laughs> seeing as well, that we don't have a diversity of experience. We don't have a diversity of skill sets. We don't have a diversity of knowledge when we're constantly going to the same groups of individuals. Um, so we need to have diversity on every end of the spectrum um, from, like I said, studio ownership, teachers, you know, um, those who are the heads of the corporations, those who are running the magazines, et cetera. And then the other thing is, you know, when you describe that environment, I have to say, I'm really grateful that I was able to come to the practice when I did and where I did, because not only did I start practicing prior to the rise of the quote yoga body, uh, I started practicing before there was such a thing as a yoga celebrity, right? And I started practicing in a space where, you know, my teacher, um, it was donation based. It was the only and first donation based studio in Santa Monica. It was not in a quote yoga studio. It was in an old dance studio that has been there now for like a hundred years in an old building. Um, no frills at all, no registration desk, no, um, you know, product room. There was nothing being sold. It was really bare bones, the yoga practice. And so I feel that part of the reason that I can have this orientation is because I know what else can exist. I think I would have a very different um, perspective on what I'm, what I'm seeing. I would have a very different approach to my work if I was doing it at all and a different sense of the practice. If I had maybe started practicing, um, five years ago or even 10 years ago where studio culture with retail spaces and scented candles had been the norm. Um, so that, I think that's really why I have the perspective that I do and know that what people have become accustomed to in studio culture is not inevitable, that there are different models and ways that we can practice and share the practice as well. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. And um, one of the contributing authors in the new book, Yoga Rising, Jessamine Stanley, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her first name right. Um, so I wanted to tell a little story about this. So one of my good friends, Karen, she's really excited for this interview. I told her I was interviewing you and told her about your Yoga and Body Image Coalition and how she might be able to bring it um, to her community where she's living now. About three years ago, um, she's, I won't give away her age, but I'll say she's an older uh, newer yoga teacher. I uh, got her yoga teacher um, certificate and training about three years ago. And she was one of the first people who actually you know, opened my eyes to say, gosh, you know, yoga should be for everybody. And she really wanted to mm -hmm. tailor her yoga classes for all different ages and all different body types. And 
So I had the wellness studio. I brought her in as a yoga instructor and we were finding that because I wasn't a yoga studio, it was more of a wellness center. Um, more people were coming in that typically would never have shown up to a yoga studio. And she, my friend Karen said, you have to check out this woman, Jessamine Stanley's page. And when I did, I was like, wow, I had never, that was the first time I had ever seen a bigger, I don't know what the proper term is, a larger bodied woman, um, actually doing yoga and had a beautiful yoga practice. I would, I'm thinner than her and I don't have the flexibility or the practice that she has. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. You know? And she, um, I think has really been a great voice for the yoga community to show people that it doesn't matter what size body you are, that you can partake in this. And I know that part of her story and what she shared also in your book was that it really, her practice really stemmed from some depression, you know, and, um, and feelings about her own weight that led her and in, into yoga, finding yoga. And now I feel like she's one of those people that's at the forefront of really talking about this body image and feeling comfortable in your skin and giving permission for all people to practice yoga. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Jessamine has been amazing in creating greater visibility. I, I love how widely she is seen and all the opportunities that she has now had to really, um, you know, diversify the, the imagery and um, also to show what, you know, all bodies are capable of. Although I will say not all bodies are capable of what Jessamine can do. Uh, some are, but, you know, <laughs> she really is groundbreaking in, in that particular particular way. And, um, you know, again, it, it shows that how, when we can break through the very small mold that has been made, um, by corporations who profit from that limited stream of images, more people really feel inspired and invited to the practice. And that's really what I'm about is bringing the practice to as many people as possible, because I understand that there are some incredible transformational and healing benefits from having a consistent practice. And I feel that you know, our sort of intention and our work as a culture should be making this more accessible because we all benefit when people have um, access to gaining greater peace and acceptance and joy and equanimity and balance, stress management tools. I mean, we really, that that is not something that should be made exclusive because of cost or because of the imagery that really makes people feel that they are not welcomed or that this is not something for them, we all benefit. And that's really always been my passion to share that. And this goes back to, like I was saying, how did this all start? You know, not only was I constantly wanting to introduce people to feminism and sociological analysis, but bringing everybody to yoga because between the two of them, they, you know, I always, I, I say in the first book, yoga and body image, that feminism freed my mind and yoga freed, you know, my body that I really got the full rounded experience of what it means to be personally liberated liberated through the critical analysis, the intellectual understanding and the embodied experience and bringing them together uh, was one of the greatest gifts of my life. And from that experience, I have spent the last, you know, 24 years wanting to share this with as many people as possible in the hopes that people will also find their own unique path to liberation through them. 
And I'm sure our listeners, I know that there's got to be people out there who are listening, who are either yoga instructors or a part of a yoga community. And I know that people are going to get inspired by listening to you talk and hearing what you're doing. And I'm sure we're going to be opening up some eyes just in our pool of listeners to actually take a look at this. And next time they walk by a yoga magazine and, and take a look at what the culture, what you're trying to kind of work within this culture of what has been created. And you do have the, um, the ability and you offer people to become a community partner in your yoga and body image coalition. And I told my friend, Karen, I was going to ask you more about that because she was very interested. So how do we bring this to our local communities? And can you talk more about how people can become a partner in this? Absolutely. So, uh, the, website is YBI Coalition, so YBICoalition.com. And uh, there's all sorts of really incredible resources on that site. Um, We have a full list of our current partners and our leadership team. And when uh, people go to click on the team tab, there's also a drop down box that says join the YBIC. And there is a basically an application form because we want to get to know the people who want to join and we want to make sure that their, you know, that their work and that their orientation is in alignment with really what we're looking to do. So we invite people to join the team. It is not even a nonprofit. It is truly a grassroots um, effort. It is a collaborative experience. We are in all sense of the words, a coalition. So we have, while we do have a leadership team that kind of, you know, helps run a lot of it, the entire purpose is for people people to become a part of a community that and they can find individuals who are aligned with uh, the YBIC hopefully very close to them where they can begin to work and collaborate in real life in their communities and the YBIC is there to really amplify the work and the voices of all of those individuals so we invite all of our partners if they have ideas for Instagram challenges for they want to do an interview if they want to write an article if they want to do a podcast if they have um, an actual event that they want to put on in their community if they want to do a virtual event from our Facebook live Like literally the um, possibilities are endless and we invite their creativity and their vision and the coalition is there then to help bring that into the world and to promote that and to get it out there further than maybe they would on their own. Because, um, you know, sometimes when we try to do this work alone, it can be a little more challenging. But when we come together, as I like to say, an aggregated mass, we really do have the ability to make a much greater impact. And um, that's what we're there for. Also at the coalition, if people want to support, there is a support tab as well. And we have different ways where you can support. Obviously, people can buy the new book, Yoga Rising, which came out in January. Um, They can go ahead and purchase the first book, Yoga and Body Image. Um, We also, one of the ways that we raised funds for our grassroots effort is through our t-shirt campaign. So at this point, we have six different t-shirts. Everybody is a yoga body. This is what a yogi looks like. Representation matters. I am body positive and love your body is more than a hashtag. And um, the sales of that help keep our website running. It helps to, you know, help fund a lot of the things that we do. And not only are people then contributing financially to the efforts, but then we encourage people to, you know, wear their shirt and proclaim that truth, take photos of them wearing it. We can regram it and share it and we can begin to infiltrate 
populate the social media feeds with um, images of all of the individuals in the community. Um, so those are just a few ways. And then we have a press page, we have our blog, we have our events, and we invite everyone to participate in whatever way they feel called. I mean, again, this is really a movement. This is not a branding endeavor. Well, thank you so much, Melanie. I think that this movement is great. I love that it's grassroots. I think you're doing wonderful work. It's needed work in this world, especially when it comes to body image overall and not just within the yoga community. Um, and I would love to, for our listeners to, um, check back in with me, you know, if any of you decide to, um, support this, um, YBI coalition. If you bring something to your community, take a picture of it, send it to me. I would love to post it on our Instagram page and just keep, um, you know, exposing this out there. So people begin to just feel better about themselves. Um, it allows them to enjoy all of the health benefits and the great things that come with yoga as well. Um, so I think that this is just wonderful. And if you could just let our listeners know one more time, what your website is before we um, finish, that would be great. That is wonderful. Thank you so much. And um, that last part about, did you want me to mention all the Instagram feeds? Is that what you had just mentioned, said? I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. Your website, let people know where they can, um, you know, find, find the books that we're talking about, how to become a part of the YBI coalition and anything about Instagram would be great too. Yeah. So ybicoalition.com, that's where the, under the team page, like I was saying, that's where the tab is to become a partner. We're also uh, YBI coalition on Instagram. We're on Facebook as yoga and body image coalition. Uh, we also have a direct um, website for the first book, which is yoga and body And then we have a website for the new book, yoga rising And one of the wonderful things people can check out as well. We did a virtual book tour. So a lot of the, um, the videos that we have from that are archived there. If people want to get a sense and of getting to know the contributors. I feel like that's a really wonderful thing to do. And also, uh, kicking off Monday, April 9th, um, I'm going to be launching the second yoga and body image online immersion where we will actually really be diving deeply into yoga rising and we will have sessions with many of the contributors. So if people want to stay tuned for that information through all of our various social media channels, I would definitely invite them to, you know, to pay attention. This is a great opportunity to um, be part of a community as we go through the themes and topics. So no shortage of social media presence. And so, um, yeah, just check us out on all of those different channels. Thanks again, Melanie. Really appreciate you being on our show. Thank you so much for having me, April. If you want more information about our films, visit our website, path11productions.com, to purchase DVDs or to rent and stream each film. You can also find our trilogy of films on iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Gaia.com. You can still use our smartphone app for both Android and iPhones. Just search for Path 11 in the Google Play App Store, or if on an iPhone, look for Path 11 in the iOS App Store. Catch you next time!